the Lord. Hallelujah. We have as a church great expectation for you. We want you to know God. I want you to know him, not just know about him and have one time encounter, but we want you to grow to know God. We want you to find freedom in the small groups that we have that happen periodically through the year on Wednesday nights. Uh, we also want you to discover your purpose by becoming a part of the church. Uh, once a month they offer first step. We want you to be a part of that. And then we want you to make a difference. In other words, get involved, get connected, and get on a dream team. Praise God. All righty, faith. Somebody say faith. Hallelujah. How the devil hates that. Hallelujah. Tonight I want to talk to you about faith is not just for things, but for life. But for life. It's not just about getting things. You know, you can be rich and sick. You can be whole and be depressed. There are lots of things in life that do not coincide with things, material things. And so tonight I just want to talk to you a little while about that faith is not just for things, but for life. And let's start out in Matthew, the 14th chapter and verse 13, very common passage of Scripture, uh, where the 5,000 are being fed, where Jesus is ministering to them. And it says in verse 13, when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence into a ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof that they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place. In other words, there is no provision here. And he said, And the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. And Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded and the multitude to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves, and he blessed and break, and he gave the loaves unto his disciples and his disciples to the multitude. And they did eat, and they were filled, and they took up the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were above 5,000 men besides women and children. Life. Life happens. Life comes up on us suddenly. Life comes up in a way that we don't have any resources to deal with what comes upon us. 
And, you know, it's, it's been said that, you know, life just happens. And it happens to the good, it happens to the bad, and it happens to the ugly. It just happens. And it seems like many things in life that happen, happen suddenly. Now the disciples said, let them fend for their self. But Jesus didn't let them fend for their self. Even in everyday life, God wants us to make him our provider. And that's what this scripture here is telling us. It's telling us, look, don't look other places. Don't look at the destitute, the place of lack, the place of limitation that you may be in that moment of your life. But in that moment of life, look to Jesus, the one that can answer and meet all of your needs and your provision. Now, they did it by faith. And the primary thing that they did was they continued to seek Jesus and kept him priority over every other need. We always want to keep Jesus in the focus of our life. Amen? And so here we see Jesus heard of that. He healed their sick, but then he heard about their physical need. Jesus is interested in our physical need. And our physical needs, our financial needs, our emotional needs, our family's needs. You know, Jesus just wasn't about ministering to one segment. He said he ministered to the men, the women, and the children. And that is an act of faith that we include Jesus into our everyday lives with our families. Now, let's go to Mark, the fifth chapter, and verse 25. And uh, I think this text has probably been read by more people and preached on by more preachers than uh, needed. But we're going to read it, and it's about the woman with the issue of blood. And it's in Matthew, in Mark, I'm sorry, 525. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and she touched his garment. The reason that she did so was because she had said in her heart that if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in him that virtue had gone out of him, he turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest a multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? And he said, and he looked around and about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all of the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith, 
hath made thee whole. Now go in assurance that it has been accomplished and be whole of thy plague. Here we see something very unique. Jesus said, woman, thy faith. Now every person has faith that is born again. They have in Romans 12, 3, the measure of faith. They have faith that overcomes the world. 1 John 5, 4, and 5. Faith in a believer's life is really not a problem. Whatever it produced one time, it will produce perpetually time after time. So let's realize that our faith produced what? Salvation. What is salvation? It's not just forgiveness of sins, but it is a forgiveness of sins. It is a redemption of a life. It is an atonement that has been made, and in it is compressed the benefits and the inheritance of the believer. Every promise is in our salvation. It is included in the adoption of our life into the sonship with God. We are joint heirs with Christ. That doesn't mean we all get a piece of the pie. That means we all get a whole pie. And uh, yeah, hallelujah. And so salvation means that when you got redeemed from sin, freed from sin, washed away your sin by the blood of Christ, is that you were saved. Yes, you were washed of your sins. Yes, you were redeemed from the kingdom of darkness. But you were also made whole. Healing was provided. Physical provision was provided. Financial increase was provided. Peace of mind was provided. All of that is in salvation. So this woman here realized that you had faith to get saved. And if you have faith that has brought you to a relationship with Christ, then what you can do is you can use that faith every time and get results. If it worked the first time, it'll work a thousand times. Could again, amen. Amen. Don't ever doubt your faith. You're going to doubt something, doubt your doubts. But don't doubt your faith. Hallelujah. And it says that her faith, in other words, she owned it. She had a right to do with it whatever she wanted. Now, she realized that that faith enabled her to reach out of a place of desperation, hopelessness, brokenness, financial uh, uh, destruction, where she had nothing left. It was where the blessing of God seemed to dry up, but she reached out beyond those boundaries, those valleys, those mountains, those prisons, those unanswered times that she'd went to the doctor. She reached out of the bad reports, and she said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. Now, if her faith did that for her, then we understand that our faith will do the very same thing. 
Amen? We do not have to stay bound no matter how many times we have sought and maybe failed. You know, I'm sure that she thought about every time she went to the doctor, this is the guy. Boy, this is the one. Thank God they told me about this guy. Thank God I, I believe he's going to help me. I believe God's going to use him. And guess what? It was a failed attempt. She was turned away, and she was getting worse every day. But when you have faith, it doesn't matter how bad the situation gets if you will use your faith. Come on, could I get an amen? Absolutely. Now you have faith. Now you own it. It's up to you to care for it, but it's also up to you to use it at your discretion. And sometimes we let things just haphazardly happen. Well, you know, we ran out of bread today, and, you know, we don't have any fishes. What are we going to do? Well, we'll make it through to, till tomorrow. But that wasn't God's plan for them. So they kept pressing forward, and guess what? God gave them a miracle. Now, faith can be used to stop suffering. Suffering, pressure, vexation, trouble, turmoil, persecutions, sufferings, not only mentally, physically, financially, all of those things, your faith. Somebody say, my faith can stop the affliction of the enemy. Don't doubt your faith. It can be used to stop the loss of blessing. She lost everything that she had. Now, I don't know what type of woman of Abraham she was, but she had something to lose, and she lost it. She probably lost more than that. She probably borrowed from friends, from in-laws and, you know, relatives and all that. She borrowed until there was nothing left to borrow on. She was broke. She had nothing. There was not another step for her to take except a step of faith. A step of faith. So her faith stopped the loss of her blessing and increase that had been given by God. And sometimes you and I, we all know, you know, well, that went wrong. Well, you know, we'll just have to get it fixed. Well, this or that. I'll tell you, sometimes it seemed like all of the utilities, the manufacturers, all of the washers and dryers and, and uh, refrigerators and dishwashers, they all have gotten together. And they have deemed in one month of some year that everything in your house is going to break and fall apart. Have you ever been there? Boy, I'm telling you, I think, man, fellas, don't turn the water on it. I'm going to blow the pipes up. You know, you never know what's going to happen in life. But I'm telling you that this woman right here used her faith to stop the adversary from stealing 
her increase. Stealing her increase. So let's not let the devil steal. Let's stop him from stealing. Amen? Now, how did she do that? The first thing she did, she set up a confession. She spoke something that she believed would happen. Even though she had no evidence, she had a his history of rejection and failure every step that she took, but she got a confession. You know, the Holy Ghost will fill your mouth if you'll put word, the word of God, into your mind. He will teach you to speak languages and confessions that you have no knowledge of. 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, verse 9 on down through 16. What does that mean? That means that when you put the scriptures in, you think about them. And pretty soon, your mind gets filled with the word and your confession is born. And when you start saying that, then there is a follow-up act. There is a follow-up act. In other words, you take action. You do something. You do something. You have a confession, and you follow your confession. Why? Because you believe it's going to happen. Amen? And so we want to have a confession. Put the Word of God in there. If, if you're constantly fighting finances, if I was you, I would start putting scriptures in about God blessing you and increasing you and so forth. I would, I would do that so that the Holy Ghost can teach you or give you or form you a confession. And you know, what you say is how you act. You know that? Absolutely. Praise God. So, we understand that confession is based upon a revelation of God's Word given to us as we fill ourselves with it. And then once you get the confession going, you will begin to respond in like manner. Why did she touch the hem of his garment? Because she said, if I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. That's why she did it. Now, after her confession, she had an action. And that action brought a breakthrough. So, keep doing or saying your confession and keep acting what you have set in motion and that will put in a combination of a miracle for your life. A miracle for your life. Now, victory comes when we do those things. Could I get an amen? Yes, absolutely. Please, don't doubt your faith. Don't doubt the simplicity of the formula. Don't doubt it. Put the word in. Let the Holy Ghost teach you how to express your faith, and then you set things in motion. Amen? It'd be like this. It'd be like, let, let's say you... you uh, 
you know, you, I don't know, you, you don't have a job, you don't get up, I don't know what. And uh, you are just limited every week, never have enough. And, uh, you know, so what happens is you go to the Scripture and you start saying that, you know what, the Bible says, when I give, it'd be given back to me. Oh, that's pretty cool. Hey, man, I, I listened to Gerald today. God loves a cheerful giver. And God gives seed to the sower. So if I sow, he will multiply that seed sown. Well, you know what? Pretty soon, you start saying that. Instead of saying, well, we don't have enough. Well, you know, just like last week. Well, you know, we're us short again. No, pretty soon you start hearing this voice. You know, when I give, it's given back to me. And as you start saying that, guess what follows? An action where you put seed into motion. And you keep that confession going, and you keep that seed going, and as you do, victory breaks forth. Hallelujah. Don't ever give up. Don't ever think that nothing is working because God is always working behind the scenes. Now, I'm, I'm just telling you, God doesn't fail. He's so busy on your side, he doesn't even take a nap. He doesn't slumber. He is always active on your behalf. Don't doubt your faith. Could again an amen. And then it says, and... In verse 27, it says these words. And when she had heard of Jesus. You know, sometimes people go through disappointments, just like this woman. She goes to the doctor. Nope, hate to tell you, it's still there. Nope, hate to tell you, it's got bigger, twice as big since the last time you were here. Oh, my word. She'd go home disappointed, discouraged, you know, so depressed she just doesn't even want to see sunlight. You know, she's still separated from her family, her children. She can't cook for them because they would eat unclean food. But sometimes when all of these things are going wrong, the key to getting things set back in the right moment, motion is to start hearing about Jesus. Start hearing. Oh, but I, I, I just don't want to read the Word. I know it. Sometimes I go to the bathroom at night and I don't want to get up. But the alternatives are worse than the unction. So I got to get up. I don't like it the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time. I don't like it any other time. I just like to sleep through. But I have to get up. And sometimes when we go through things like this woman went through, you know what? We need to get in and we need to read about what Jesus has done. What faith has allowed to happen in the life of others. 
And as we do, unstable, weak, weary, even dead, inactive faith, which she had, because she could have went to the tabernacle or the synagogue anytime she wanted, five days a week, six days a week, and she could have been healed. But her faith was just so beat up. But she heard of Jesus. She heard of Jesus. And I'm telling you, hearing about Jesus is like taking vitamin B. It'll charge you. It'll get you going. It is health to your soul. And so as we start hearing about what Jesus has done, it will cause our faith to become active again. It'll cause it to be resurrected and stirred. It'll cause us to begin to believe that, you know what? It was possible for them. It's possible for me. We begin to hear about what Jesus has done for others, then we know what he'll do for us. We begin to hear about what Jesus has planned for us, we begin to speak about it. What he's done for us, what he will do for us, and what he desires to do for us. When we start reading it, you may think that it's not doing anything, but I'm telling you, this is the word of life. And the Bible says that he has sent his word to heal us and deliver us from all our destruction. And he does that by resurrecting beat-up, weary, downcast, inactive, and dead faith. So let's make sure that we just start reading about Jesus again. Amen? Start reading what he has done for you and I, what he has done for others. Praise the Lord. Mark 4.35, we know that faith stopped what looked like the inevitable. This ship is going down. The Bible says that the ship was full of water. That word full of water in the Greek phrase means that it had sunk down and it was level with the ocean. In other words, there wasn't any more room for any more water. That ship was headed for Davy Jones' locker. I don't know if Davy Jones was there yet, but it was headed there. And they reversed it. They reversed a hopeless situation by their faith. Their faith. Come on. Their faith is just like our faith. And what their faith could do, our faith can do also. Remember when Paul was without hope, God gave him a word, keep on this ship and keep everybody there. Not one soul will be left, lost. And so what did Paul do? He believed God in whom he served. Well, when there's no hope, we need to resurrect our faith and use it. James 5.14 says, 
if there's any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint him with oil. And the prayer of faith sometimes will work. No, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord Jesus Christ, just like he got up out of that boat and dealt with a problem, he'll get up, he'll visit you, and he will stop sickness in its tracks. Now, if there's any sick among you, let him call for the elders. Let him pray the prayer of faith. But if you don't, I'll still love you. We'll still be in church together. We'll still be a part of the family of faith. But you'll still be sick. See, it's not up to God to do anything except make provision. But God can't have access unless there is a willing, agreeable participant that gives him access. Amen? So we don't have to be sick. You know that our faith can deliver us from being taken again captive by the devil. He that committeth sin is a servant of sin. But thank God that God causes us to have access to repentance, that we can repent, and Jesus will break the power of the devil's control over our life. And he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness and restore blessing and bring victory back to our life. Now, that's what God will do. Hallelujah. And then Galatians 4.18, think about this. Well, let's go to Galatians 4.18. Paul talking about how people are saved. It's not just about us preaching. It's also about us dealing with the things that keep them separated for any reason from God. I don't know why people don't come to God, but they have 101 reasons. But we need to pray that God will work them through those reasons and cause Christ to be born in their life. Galatians 4.18, it says this, but it is good to be zealously affected always in a good thing and not only when I am present with you. My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Until Christ be formed in you. In other words, Paul says, I have given birth to the church at Galatia. This whole region of Galatia was not just won by Paul's preaching and by miracles. It was won because of Paul's using his faith to petition God that the souls of Galatia 
would come under conviction. And then not only did he give birth to their salvation, he then said, till Christ be formed in you. God needs us to use our faith on the behalf of other people. On the behalf of other people. I had a young man come to my house one time. I was a sinner. And uh, his father-in-law and I drank together. <clears throat> the last time I drank with his father-in-law, I had to crawl between his house and my house on my hands and knees to get to the porch. Then I crawled up on the porch. I crawled through the door. Crawled through the house, back to the bathroom. My daughter said, is daddy going to die? Her mother said, well, we can only hope. I was so sick. I never, ever drank another seven, seven. That was it. I was done. But... His son-in-law came to my house one day. And he was talking to me, and I said, yeah, yada, 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 yada. Get out. You know, come on. Just shut up. I don't believe that stuff. And he said, well, can we pray before we go? I thought anything to get you out of here. And so I joined his hand, and he began to pray, and then he began to prophesy. Began to prophesy that, I would be used of God. I had a call on my life, and God was going to use me. And I thought to myself, are you nuts? I'm a sinner, son. I'm sure Phyllis is thinking, that ain't never going to happen till H has a cold spell. Well... That young man prophesied over me. Later, God used me to touch his life in a great way after the loss of the child. But that man prayed for me. Prayed for me. I went and visited the man that was instrumental in uh, keeping me connected to God, Rodney Turner, and he was in the old folks' home, and I went and spent some time with him the other day and we were just talking and and uh, I said you know Rodney I never would still be saved if it hadn't been for you I told him one day I said I'll tell you what if you preach me one more time I'm gonna knock your brains out on this concrete floor now you got to realize I was a little wild back then I'd lost some good jobs. I lost a great job one time because they tried to run over a guy with, uh, with a forklift because he poked me in the chest. I said, I'll tell you what. I ran over and jumped on the forklift and started chasing him through that factory. Well, the next day I was jobless. And... And the factory that I worked in, when Rodney was with me, I lost my cool and jumped over a big 
10-foot table with a 20-pound sledgehammer, and my foreman jumped in the way, and I hit him instead of the guy I was swinging at. And uh, Gary was very uh, gracious to me. He said, Pete, I'm going to tell you something. He said, this better not happen again. I said, it wouldn't have had to happen again if you hadn't been in the way. But, so Rodney was there, and I told Rodney, I said, I'll tell you what, I will knock your brains out on this concrete floor. You ever preach to me again. He said, well, I'll pray for you. I said, you know what, I don't care what you do as long as I don't hear you. But if I hear you, I'm telling you, I'm going to knock your head off. He said, okay, you won't hear me. So he prayed. I called him one Sunday morning. I said, hey, Rodney, I got saved. He said, these great inspiring words. Yeah, right. I said, okay, thank you for the encouragement. And uh, went to work the next day and told him I was saved. Yeah, oh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. He never believed me for months until I missed the table that I was swinging at and hit myself in a leg with a 20-pound sledgehammer. And I said, glory to God. He said, oh, my God, you got saved. Yes. And there were people out of that factory that attended this church for years until they passed away and went to heaven. But Rodney and I were talking. I said, if it had not been for you being there every day, challenging me, causing me to think, study the Scripture, and to, you know, uh, contemplate and talk about and engage about faith and what was right and what was wrong and what was true and what was not true, he was a Baptist. And I went to a black Pentecostal church which made for one very confusing appetite of Scripture. And uh, so, when I was talking to Rodney, I said, Rodney, I, I, I want to thank you. He said, for what? I said, I want to thank you for my family. You know, my three grandchildren are saved. I want to thank you for my wife. We're still married. I want to thank you for the almost four million people that have given their life to Jesus Christ. Rodney's wife came here one time because his granddaughter asked him to bring her. She was in a wheelchair, and God healed her. She rose up out of that wheelchair and took off walking. Now, Rodney looked at me and with tears in his eyes. I said, Rodney, you know what? Every person that got saved could be traced back to the longevity of my salvation. That was directly connected to you. How you challenged my faith, how... He encouraged me to start sinners to dinners. 
how he encouraged me where I would have a concerts and raise money for pastors that were not making enough. All of those things that led me to have a food program out of my house, to have a clothing ministry out of my house, to have Thanksgiving out of my house, to have Christmas out of my house, to preach on the corner of the city when I didn't even know if I was called. Rodney was a part of that. And as we reminisced, he wept. He wept. And I said, none of that would have happened if it had not been for Rodney Turner. It never would have happened. He tried other things to help me. He tried to teach me how to chew tobacco. Just couldn't get it in my mind, don't swallow. And it just, it was hard for me. <laughs> but he was with me. And I think back, if he had not used his faith, where would this ship be? I don't know. We talk about it, Phyllis and I, and think maybe I'd been in prison for several years and, you know, and then been killed or killed somebody. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what would have happened. I know I don't like the outcome of my brothers and sisters that have been in prison. I don't know if I would have fared very well in prison. But Rodney Turner, unbeknownst to so many people, he was instrumental in keeping me by his faith. And we can do the same. Start praying for the people that are around you. Your neighbors want so much to live in the joy of life. And that only comes by being born again and knowing Christ Jesus. Paul said in Philippians 1, 15 through 19, I know that what I'm facing and going through, that if you will pray for me and God will supply the Holy Ghost, that it will turn to my salvation. And I will be victorious at the end. Let's use our faith. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord of glory. Hallelujah. Do we have any questions about faith? Will it work? It'll work on every in-law you've got and every neighbor you've got every kid you've got, every child you've got, and every need you've got, it's your faith. What will you do with it? What will you do with it? Hallelujah. Yes, Pastor, Aunt, Eric. Okay. When, um, when I broke my leg and you prayed for me and that healing process has been ongoing 
And when we had Brian Adams here, I was sitting in the back pew in the process of the working of miracles was working and it's still been a process of still going. The bones, everything's have healed, but when people come and they say, anybody in pain wants to come up for prayer. So when you're utilizing your faith and you just stand and say, this is what I believe. And I believed the moment that I got the text that, hey, I'm praying for you, it's healed in the process. So if somebody comes and then offers for someone to come over to pray, is that kind of like a double standard of? No, no. What I would do is that I would just come up and I'd say, look, you know what? I want you to agree with me. You know, I've been prayed for and I believe that I received when I prayed. And I just want you to lose your faith to my faith that's been activated. That's what you do. You know, Jesus prayed for a blind man twice. You know, we all the time say, well, you know, if, if you pray more than once, uh, you know, one is un, in unbelief. I don't believe that. The Bible says we pray continually. And, uh, you know, so we may ask God for something, and then we offer up the prayer of thanksgiving. It's still the prayer of faith, but it's the prayer of thanksgiving. So every time you worship God, God, I want to thank you that you brought healing to my body. Well, that is a prayer of thanksgiving. And so we use that prayer. That is an ongoing prayer. In fact, one of the words for uh, prayer is confession. You know, when you say, hey, God, I want to thank you that you have healed me. By the stripes of Jesus, God, every bone's been connected, every joint, every fracture, every break, God, has been restored by the stripes of Jesus Christ. That's a prayer. So we, we can pray different ways, but it is still the prayer of faith. And then a follow-up to that is when the Apostle Paul, when he had that issue that he was dealing with, and he made supplications to God to remove this three times and yep. he said my grace my power is sufficient in weakness so how does someone like ask for it especially like the apostle Paul and then turn around and say well my power is perfected in weakness well what he did was he discovered a promise that's why God said my grace is sufficient for you Paul in other words Paul I've defeated the devil. And Paul writes in Colossians, he writes uh, uh, in other scriptures where he unveils the defeat of Satan through the work of Christ. But did he know that in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter? Well, he would be alluding to no. Not that he didn't cast him out, but he was saying, God, why don't you intervene? And God said, look, I've given you a promise. I've given you my grace. And then Paul says, I got it. So when I'm weak, you provide grace for me so that I can be strong. He said, then he says, let the weak say I am strong. So he gets out of that a confession. And look, we all grow in faith. 
you know, and there, there are great struggles when we're, we're trying to say, you know, I used to struggle with prosperity and poverty. I said, God, you, you want me to give everything away, you know, and, and don't have this and don't have that, but you say you're going to bless me. How is it going to happen? And then just one day I just realized God wants to prosper me. Well, what about giving it all away? That's not a problem. If I keep my love levels right, giving is not a problem. And so I, I finally caught the grasp of it. But as we walk in these things, we grow in our faith, Mark. And we all grow to the point that we begin to understand and maneuver our faith with certain things. Sometimes you might go up when the speaker is here. Another time, you might not. There's lots of speakers I don't have pray for me. Not that they aren't great people. And not that they aren't praying for everybody else. It's just I don't feel led to have them pray for me. And I don't have to be prayed for every time, you know. So uh, we work our way through those things, Mark. But you keep your confession going. You keep it strong. And if you're going to go up, you feel like, you know what, I'd like for that guy to join me in my faith. Then ask him to come into agreement with me. And this is my agreement is that I've been healed by the stripes of Jesus Christ. Okay? You understand? Is it? Okay. All right. Anybody else? Mm-hmm. I swear my figure is looking better. I've lost two pounds. Hallelujah. <laughs> no. Anybody else? Hallelujah. One, way back there. Uh, and, and know this, that faith is a learning experience. We teach faith and, and all that, but it is never better to be learned, John, than when it's used. It never is. Just keep using it. If you fail, use it again. You fail, use it again. You fail, use it again. There's lots of times I'd be making confessions and then I'd think about it and I'd say, boy, that, that just is not right. <laughs> uh, I said, God, you need to teach me what to say. Then I'd just pull back, wait, and let the teacher, the instructor, help me. Praise God. Yes, Eric? Yeah, the right shoulder's getting better. It don't feel like bone against bone. And on my right hip, I think uh, I fractured it, and even when Pearl was alive, she said, you're walking funny. I said, yeah, I'm walking like Chester. Oh, uh, yeah. Use a cane and a little bit of, I don't know, that uh, white pills uh, for, I don't know. Inflammation. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, um, arthritis or uh, isoflex, uh, them pills, that helps. Okay, good deal. Just lay your hands on that every night and say, God, I want to thank you. You made me with two good hips. I think I'll just keep them till the day I die. Amen? All righty. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, let's stand our feet. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord of glory.
Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for our communities. And we pray, God, that there would be an awakening of respect and honor. God, of our first responders, of our policemen, our sheriff, paramedics, firemen, God, that, Father, you would raise up a new awakening in our communities, God, to the honor of the authority that you have set in motion in Romans 13 and 14. We pray, God, for our local governments. We pray, God, for our local judges. We pray, God, for our local school boards, school districts. And, God, we ask that you would give them wisdom. And, God, we ask that they would be aware of you when they're making decisions. And then, Father, we pray for our government. We pray, God, that you would visit them in dreams, and that, God, you would speak to them, that, God, you would visit them in their night times, that, God, our president, vice president, congressmen, representatives, and senators, God, that, Father, they would receive a touch of justice. Let them desire justice. Give them, God, the directions. God, let them rule and reign in equality. That, God, there will not be divided nation, but a united nation. Now, God, we ask you to deal with them. And, Father, we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Praise God. See you Sunday morning. Hallelujah.